we're four teaching friends from across the country. Who've discovered that if you don't laugh, you cry and lose sight of your why. I'm Retta. I'm Deanne. I'm Tracy. And I'm Kathy. And we teach so hard. You know what's hard? Mm. <laughs> what? What's hard this week, Deanne? <laughs> so many. So many things. But one of them is <laughs> conducting your own action research in your classroom. It can be. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, another thing to do. But wait, stay with us on this one. <laughs> what is action research anyway, you ask? Well, simply stated, it's what teachers do. You probably don't even realize you already do it. It's what teachers do when they're problem solving around learning issues in their classrooms. Think of a teacher that approaches teaching and learning as a scientist would. Yes. Yes. Yes, the uh-huh. scientific method. There you go. <laughs> it really is. I mean, when you think about the scientific method, the first step is you have a problem or you ask a question, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And kids are great at doing and that all the time. And we do that every day. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're surrounded by questions and problems. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and then it's our life. <laughs> exactly. And then what do we do? We yeah. gather information. <laughs> and, and observe. observe. Yeah, you Research. Research, right? Yeah. And then what? And then make a hypothesis. You, Your best guess at the answer. Absolutely. I had an hypothesis that I was forming before I went on winter break with a student of mine who's got some big behavior issues, right? And I'm watching this and I'm thinking, okay, what's causing this? And then after the hypothesis, you form an experiment and test your results. If you're a scientist, well, you do that with a, as a teacher too. Yep. And Tracy, what you just said made me think of, we do this all the time behaviorally, right? <laughs> what yes. works next? Let's try it. Let's test it out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What lesson works? What lesson doesn't? What, what causes this? What's causing him to do this? What's causing her to say that? Right. And then analyze, right? Did we it work? <laughs> see what's going on. Yep. And then a scientist at the end, this is kind of an important part. I think sometimes as teachers, we forget this, but as scientists, we, that a scientist would report their findings, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so often it just goes on in your head. Anyway, you're mm-hmm. doing these things already. I'm positive, but making it official is kind of raising the bar a little bit. And why not do that? Right. And, And not only just in our heads, but I was thinking this is usually if you have like a close teaching colleague, this is what you're constantly talking about, right? Like, can you help me with Mm -hmm, this? This is mm -hmm. my problem. What do you think I should do? Or now people are using, you know, their Facebook groups or things like that to get the gathering Mm -hmm. information and making the hypothesis part of it. Right. So you're already doing it informally. Why not step it up a little? And if you're a new teacher... This might not be so automatic to you because you're being inundated with everything you have to learn yesterday, um, everything you have to do yesterday. (laughs) And so today, this podcast is designed to kind of walk you through that process and take you from admiring the problem or bitching (laughs) about the problem to rolling up your sleeves. Well, we all do it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and rolling up your sleeves and facing the problem head on. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's so, there's so many things that we do in the classroom too that don't have a label and all these things that we've been talking about. I mean, we, we do automatically and you don't even think about it. That's true. Yeah. So let's, this is, let's talk about what are the steps we follow when we conduct a formal action research in our classroom? What do we do as teachers? Well, guys, I got to tell you, for me, learning how to conduct action research in my own classroom created a huge shift in my teaching and the learning. Oh, it did for me too. The learning that was going on in my classroom, it it elevated everything. And I got to tell you, I've never looked back. I find that I approach most problems after I'm done with the, the crying and bitching <laughs> and whining. <laughs> most problems I approach through action research now, either big or little. Um, it really was a paradigm shift. And when I think about, when I began to think about teaching and learning as a science and how I measured success or failure and then adjusted my teaching, it, it, oh, it was drastic. So how did I get there? Well, like we said before, for me, and I think for any of us here today talking about this, we think like scientists. And so here, what are some of the steps, guys, that we follow We've talked about the scientific method. Now, how does that translate to teaching? Well, first, you you would identify a problem, and the problems certainly identify themselves every day. So pick one. Pick the the most urgent one. And ask yourself the question, not out of desperation, but as a scientist, Mm -hmm. what if I tried this? Tracy, I'm wondering when you when you say now that you have been conducting action research, you're doing it formally. Like, where are you writing it down? Are you keeping track of it? Are you? How is it different now? Yes. I'd love to know that how you've changed. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what I did was I, and I will say this. I mean, I I go through this process in my head informally every day, right? right. As, and and right. it's become second nature. But on the big stuff. The big stuff that makes me gnash my teeth at the end of the day, right? And run for the, the refrigerator <laughs> when I get home. <laughs> I think about, um, I, I collect data. I really, really do. I pay attention. So like I have a student, if I have a student who's melting down all over the place, as sometimes we have, the first thing I do is I pay attention to when is that happening, how often mm-hmm. is that happening? Is it happening at certain times of the day? I start to collect data around this. Uh, around you this. have to collect some notes. And, you know, this might be a little off topic. If it is, I apologize. But even your note taking sometimes can affect the outcome. Yes. Because if you keep a little notebook, you know, on your desk for your note taking and you pull it out, kids start to notice. Oh, <laughs> when that happens. She's writing something. She's, she's, <laughs> yeah. she's writing something down there. Yeah. I might want to change yeah. how, how obvious I am. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then yeah. sometimes like in, in my district, we have something called um, IST, which is like a kind of a reteaching kind of thing for reading. And we're, we're doing some intervention with kids. Uh-huh. So it's like a second dip, um, sometimes a third mm-hmm. dip for kids. And I have to keep data. And so I approach it as an action research. What is the problem I'm having with these students and their learning with reading? And how am I going to get at that? And then I'm going to take 
you know, snapshots. Am I doing what I think I'm doing? Am I, am I impacting them the way I think I am? And so I'm taking data point snapshots that I determine. No one else is determining them. And then I have more of a formative assessment at the end. Okay, let's see how they've grown or not grown. And then that's another message, another thing. So yes, okay. it is normal. Mm-hmm. So, so basically, so basically you're watching, you're watching the problem and you're taking the data. So that's like, you know, the third part of that scientific right. method. So really. the scuttlebutt yeah. around the problem. Yeah. The scuttlebutt. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I like that. That's a real <laughs> scientific word, Tracy. Scuttlebutt. That's throwing me. <laughs> it's a fantastic word. I like really that. Is. I don't know if my butt scuttles so much. Anyway. <laughs> you can no. really picture it. <laughs> my visualization of this is distracting. Yeah. So. If your butt's not scuttling, or once you're done scuttling your butt. Um, <laughs> yeah, you probably should. If you're sitting in your chair rather than scuttling your butt, you have a problem. Right, that's right. So get up and scuttle. Right. Okay. <laughs> then it's time to like form a hypothesis, right? It's time to, to say, okay, I think this is what's happening. Or I think this is what this student needs. Whether it's behavior, whether it's a student thing, a social interaction that's causing a problem, whatever you're choosing to focus on, okay, this is what I think is happening. And then ask yourself, what am I going to do about it? What do I think will make the change? And how will I know if it works? Right. Like what's the measure? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where data collection can be fun. You're doing it for something you're interested in that will benefit you and your kids. And you're kind of excited to see how it comes Mm -hmm. out. Now, I will like to draw. I would like to draw the line in the sand, though, about this because sometimes, and we've all been there. It doesn't matter what state you're in, what community in, what district, what school. We all have been there where someone decides an action research for us. <laughs> oh yeah. And, oh oh yes. yes. That's when it isn't fun. That's not. Yeah, exactly. and to me, I I would like to go out on a limb and say that's not action research. That's to me, that's mandated. Do this data collection. It's mandated. It's mandated data and, collection. and oftentimes, when it's something like that, it it isn't necessarily a need you might have in your classroom. A lot of times, it's a need that organization has. A lot of times, funding is around it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially right. if you're a Title One district or have a title one school there's Mm -hmm. some hoops there's things there's you know so to me that's not action research that's mandated research so right okay so we've asked we've had our hypothesis we've we've come up with an idea how will we know if the idea works and then we make a plan for data now i don't know about you but doesn't like Yes. Extreme data collection sometimes <laughs> stress you not, out. Because it's not always meaningful either. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's right. You want to be teaching and doing something that's meaningful for and the I kids. Think when we're doing action research as teachers, it's important to think about another question besides how will I know if my idea works? And, you know, when you're making your plan for data collection, make sure it's something you can manage. Make sure it makes sense. Don't... Um, Make sure it's going to give you the most bang for your buck, and don't make it something. I don't know about you, but I'm <laughs> I'm organizationally challenged sometimes, so I need something. <laughs> I need something that's going to be quick and easy. Something that I can't that I know is going to be 
easy to make it a part of my daily routine so that I can manage it because you no, know what? It's it not going to be successful if I can't to manage it. Right. Exactly. And some, some, yeah. right. And yes. exactly that Kathy, sometimes it's data collection that you already have in place. I, I did a project once about journaling. How can I get my kids to write in their journals, you know, uh, as much as I wanted them to do, which was every day. And I already had checklists for when their journals were completed mm-hmm. and whether, you know, to what level they were completed, one, two, or three. That was already in right. place. I could use that as my mm-hmm. data collection. Absolutely. Like I, I was in a meeting recently about um, this happened to be like a little action research we were doing about a student's behavior. And I was expounding on the levels of my stress as I was talking to the social worker <laughs> and the, the psychologist. I'm just, I'm going to be brutally honest here. There are years that this is what your existence is and, and you have to take care of yourself and, and speak up and figure out how we're going to make this work. And, and seeking your own unique therapy. <laughs> you know, the psychologist, you know, said to me, how about this? Put a piece of tape on your arm for each subject, right? And as you're teaching, every time the student, because you're collecting data, every time the student calls out, which is part of the issue, just make a tally mark on the tape. Oh my gosh, I used to use one. I don't even know if you know about it anymore. Okay, they have knitting oh, clickers. Those yeah. red ones, yeah. Those they red ones they used cool. to have supermarket <laughs> clickers where you could click how much you were spending. And red, yes. I used to use those and I did it with, I was doing a, mm-hmm. a project early, early, early in my teaching career with a girl who was always calling out. She never raised her hand. She's always calling out. <laughs> she figured out in a hot New York minute what I was mm-hmm. doing when I clicked the, that thing every time. And she was like, you're clicking that about me, aren't yeah. you? <laughs> but you know what I mean? But, but she changed because I was Don't the umpires yeah. use something to keep track of balls and strikes? There's a clicker or something to use. Like, even like something. Yeah, totally. There's so many. So, so clickers and they can be the knitting ones are pretty yeah. quiet. They don't be hard. You could definitely have one of those like under your badge, Absolutely. you know. Around. So the point is you make it manageable. Consider your stress level. You know, make it whatever you're working on. Make it manageable. How is it going to work? And, and get other people involved if you want. If it's if it's something that you need ideas about, how could I collect data? Go to your PLT, your PLC. So then you teach, right? You teach around it. You collect the data. You assess. Sometimes you adjust. Sometimes your hypothesis changes because you're taking in information all the time and you're like, yeah, no, we need to do this instead. But that's part of problem solving. It's kind of like the writing process, right? It's not static, a static circle. Mm-hmm. You might go from one point across the circle to another point to the, you know, you're all over the place as you, as you compose. So um, it's kind of a fluid process. Yeah. Okay. A brief commercial break. My husband just passed me a note. He's always trying to get me to get rid of my teaching stuff. He, he wrote on the note, we hey, probably still have clickers up. in the basement. <laughs> send some out Tracy my way. If I find them. What? <laughs> I know. If I find them, I will um, let you know. I'll post about it in my blog or tell, tell you. Today, if you leave 
feedback on and this post. Yeah, leave some, leave some feedback if you're interested. <laughs> if you're interested in some clickers, circa 1970. Oh <laughs> All right, and then let's take the final step, ladies. You share what you find out. You share it with the social worker, the psychologist, your teammates, the principal, who the parents, the kid, whoever. You share your findings. Because that's when the movement's going to start is, okay, this is what I found. This is what we tried. This worked. Mm -hmm. This didn't. And you fine-tune some more. And don't be dismayed if you get a range of responses from your colleagues from, who cares? To tell me to tell me more. Oh no, I was gonna say I was really lucky early on in my teaching career where um, the professor who was like my supervising professor when I was getting my master's degree said, I would love to come into your classroom and do some action research. And I said, Great. And because he needed he needed kids to work with. So we did it together. Mm -hmm. And it was actually tracking the types of questions kids were asking as well as the types of questions I was asking. And it was fascinating because mm-hmm. he shared it with the kids too. Like these are the types, you know, now now we think of them as thick questions and thin questions, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then our research was written up and published in like what? one of, I think it was like Indiana Reading Journal or something. But it was so cool. We showed it to the kids. Like, look, other teachers are going to learn from this, how we can Very guide cool. your questions. And wow. So that... Mm-hmm. sharing what you're yes. doing. Yeah. That is so powerful, sharing what you're doing with the kids. Oh, very powerful. Very. So that leads me to, let's talk about some specific problems and action researches that we've addressed in our own classrooms. It's time to roll up your sleeves, lady, and talk <laughs> about the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the successful, too. Oh, you know, learning is messy. It just really (laughs) is, you know. Action research can be messy too. Sometimes our hypotheses tank. (laughs) Hypotheses, right? (laughs) Tank. (laughs) And then we have to, you know, just adjust our methods and plans. And other times (laughs) action research makes make make you feel like Julie Andrews on the Austrian mountaintop singing The Hills Are Alive, the sound of learning. Tracy. Exactly. Well, I, I love it because it's so what are gotten some, me away what are some from of the ways complaining your about problems of action research. To, you know, truly looking for solutions, like and and really um, focused my reading on you know whatever mm-hmm. professional journals I'm reading or the latest research I can find. Yes. Um, I have depending on what it is I'm researching. I have different educators I really look to to see what they've tried and. The writing it down. It's all about the writing it down because it gets lost in my head. <laughs> so what are some specific problems? What are some specific, what's a specific example of an action research that you've done in your classroom? Um, Besides, I mean, you talked about been, the one earlier. Well, there's been a lot of ones what's, obviously what's one you've on done behavior more recently. type research. Um, you know, how to still validate a child while they're while trying to um, mm-hmm. get the, the desired behaviors going on in class. Mm-hmm. So really working with other teachers and parents and trying different strategies. Like we tried this, let's give it a time frame. I think that's the other important thing is, you know, not let it go on forever, but let's 
you know, do this for a month and then evaluate, is this working? Is it not working? Mm-hmm. Um, and usually, you know, if it's that specific, it doesn't last that long. It, it, it seems like I get the results pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, like sometimes we do do ones that last, I have done ones that have lasted um, a semester or a month and sometimes a whole year. I'm working on one that's a year long one now. That's a good point that you bring up right? because right. you're designing it. And because it's the nature of a problem you're having, it can be whatever you need it to be. Right. One of the, there's a couple that I've done that come to mind. One is a few years ago, and it was so funny because of how it came to be. I was teaching poetry, which is a genre I teach a lot in my classroom, and I was using it to teach critical reading skills. And I was in a teaching situation that... um, That was challenging. And I had a a partner who just flat out said, how do you you have time for that fluff? And that put a fire in my belly. And so I created an action research that proved that I wasn't teaching fluff. And I... um, Some of us have to do that all the time. I really, you know, I focused on if I add the arts into my reader's workshop when I teach poetry and poetry comprehension, reading comprehension, what will it do to my students' ability to um, have higher level reading comprehension? At the time, we were using qualitative reading inventories, and so I looked at implicit versus explicit understanding, and I had findings. I mean, I... It truly was like so did you, my special ed students and my EL did you students share those findings? Just improved vastly. It was incredible, and it was it was not an outcome I predicted. And you know, it's so I did. Yes, so, I did. Or something that looks too fun. It's so easy to dismiss yeah. out of hand. Yeah, it's crazy. Something mm-hmm. you don't understand. And by your share, yeah. yeah. Oh, learning shouldn't be fun, right? And by sharing it, yeah, right. So that was great that you shared it. One that I have going on right now is the Empathy Project, which I'm doing with a colleague at another school. And we are um, looking at what our explicit instruction on discourse and then providing opportunities for our kids to talk online around um, books with the theme empathy. They do this once a month. And we're, we're using a WIDA screener results for each kid to, to track their speaking and listening. And what are we seeing? We're getting ready to do another dipstick of that in January after explicit teaching on and discourse. it's so important and for your kids to see this and know that they, you know, that they're part we're of this action blast. research. Yeah, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What about you, Rada? What are some, what's one you you know, I was going to talk about two of mine, and I will briefly, but I'm, I, I'm taken back to Project Atlantis. I know I've talked about this before. It was an action research project done for a PhD by Sasha. I, I don't know. His last name was Baron or something like that. <laughs> no. no, no. It might have been Baron, though. I can't. It's Sasha somebody. But it was his, it was his PhD mm-hmm. project. And um, I loved it and used it with my kids for about four years and, you know, was pretty active in the teaching community with it. 
and um, it disappeared. Mm-hmm. And I'm still sad, even though I'm not even in the classroom and can't use it anymore. I'm sad that it disappeared, but truly it was his action research project. He got his data. Um, He was trying to um, see if there was a relationship between gaming, which kids already love Mm -hmm. online gaming and um, learn PBL project based learning and social justice. And he proved that you can triangulate those things <laughs> and, uh, and it works. And so he, he proved it. He's done. And I'm sure he's on to many other things. And I'm still over here pining for my little avatar and the, and the, and the project. <laughs> I have some unfinished work on there, but anyway, um, some, a couple of things that I did, um, my first, very first action research project that I was that aware of, um, was when I was in the Galileo mm-hmm. um, group. Leadership Academy. And I was doing some research on journals. My kids were not journaling, you know, as as much as I wanted them to do. And um, so I did start collecting data on it. And I told them I was going to collect data on their journals and that because I didn't care when you're doing this action research, unless you're, you know, a real serious scientist and you're publishing your work, you basically have identified a problem and you want it to get better, right? So by informing my kids, it, it started to oh, get better like right away. They were all in, for, you know, for the project. I took pictures of them in their journals. I hung them on a big poster board in the what? hallway. Here's what we're working on was the title of the poster board. And there was at least one teacher who used to rip it off of the wall every morning before I got there. But I just put it back up and smiled at her. It was fine. Oh, yeah. I mean, all the way to people who said, can I come in and watch? Yeah. Can I talk to your kids? Can I see what you know they're do- doing? So it, it runs the gamut. That's why I said, don't be dismayed from the, you know, the scoffers mm-hmm. that you're going to have. Um, focus on, on, on your colleagues who really do appreciate your sharing your research with them and, and getting them interested in doing their own. And anyway, the three things I found out real quickly, in case you don't want to bother doing this one was the three T's were what mattered. They needed to be able to, you know how we sometimes spring a topic on the board. Okay. Right. Write about this today. And they don't know. They really, it's like any other writing piece. They need mm-hmm. time to think about it. It, it isn't a TV game show. It's it's writing. It's real writing. So thought is important. Also, time to process. If they have the journals ahead of time, this led me to where I would give the whole month's worth of journals on one page oh, out at the beginning of every month, and that and that became a pro, a, a, a practice for the last yeah. ten years of yes. my teaching because they knew everything that was coming up. So that time gave them time to process what they were going to write. And also they needed to talk about what they were going to write. If they had, if they had the, the list ahead of time, they could talk about mm. it at home with their families or they could talk about it with other kids. What are you going to write for tomorrow's journal? What are you thinking? And it really made their journal responses richer, love that. more on time, longer, more detailed. It, it was, I thought, a great project mm. and had great results. Changing them and changing me. about my discourse stuff going, okay, okay, I have a conversation club about journal topics. And then, yeah, I'm not in my mind. Yeah. 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 Another way to say it, I, yeah. I thought the three T's was easy. And I'm not going to 
describe this too much, but a recent one that I did was when I had special ed students integrated into mm-hmm. my science classes, I, I would scaffold their interactive notebook stuff and scaffold the um, center assignments for them. And my research was how much did I have mm-hmm. to massage those scaffolds, you know, because based on other kids being in their group, what my goal was to get them and the other students all working kind of at the same level of involvement. I wanted them to have input and I wanted them to be able to share their knowledge too. So um, my research on that was, was how, you know, how much to fill in for them and how much to Mm -hmm. leave out and, you know, how to change the tasks and, and I just, you know, um, trial and error, trial and error, and then their success with it. What were their test scores and what were (laughs) their level of success at the centers? So that was a fun one. Sounds amazing. Yes. So Deanne, your turn. I took too long. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, this one year I had one of those classes, you know, they didn't want to do anything, but they hated, (laughs) hated, hated writing. So I thought, you know, what am I going to do to get these kids, you know, they were antsy and what am I going to do to get these kids into writing? And at this point I didn't know I was doing, um, action research. (laughs) That's our point though. You don't know always. Right. That's it. No, you don't. But I, but I thought, well, maybe if we do something physical, if I can come up with some kind of physical Mm -hmm. actions or something to get them at least into writing a little bit. So I had the kids bring bubble stuff to school. I bet they did. And we went outside and we blew bubbles. And I had them imagine what it would be like for them to be in a bubble floating. Where would they go? What would happen? Blah, blah, blah. And so on. And um, they loved it. You know, they, they, yeah, yeah, I know. You know, they visualized, they got into it well, and, and they, they came up with some fantastic ideas. You totally ideas. built schema. That's what you're talking about is building schema for kids. So they mm-hmm. have something to write about because not every kid has the experiences that we would like them to have. So that makes rich writing difficult sometimes. That's right. 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 Yes, you're right. It does. So I just had to come up, you know, keep coming yeah. up that year with, you know, different ideas like that that would just, you know, visualizing into it. And, and also adding something physical where they moved, they had their hands yes. on something. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Could be dancing, moving to music, write what that feels like. Yeah. How does the music make you feel? You know, well, ladies, all that kind we of stuff. are out of time today. So let's talk about it really quick. Let's transition to what is your number one tip for our teachers out there who are thinking about trying a more formalized approach to action research in their classrooms, what would you say to them? Reddit started. My, yep. well, my, my number tip one is tip is fearless and don't be scared with your whole learning community. <laughs> you know, if you kids, the one parents, thing that's going to help you the most worry about in your classroom, like what's the biggest change come, that you see share. that will affect everything else? Start there and focus in on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mine is organized before you begin. You will never be sorry you did. I promise, I promise, I promise you. Data collection and the subsequent teaching that will happen afterwards will be so much easier because you organized before you began. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) 
And mine is basically begin with a goal in mind, know mm. what you want to achieve. Good tips. And go this has been it. a Great. fun episode, ladies, listening to all these stories. And I'm coming away as usual with tons of ideas of things to change for my reasons I love doing this with you guys. So our listeners out there, we've had a great time today. We hope you have too. Um, Be sure to check out our blogs in the show notes. And if you like what you hear, give us a shout out, leave a comment, give us a five-star rating on your listening platform. (laughs) Be sure to join us next week because it's one of our favorite weeks. It's our book theme talk. And we are going to be talking about love. Boom, boom. Not really, not that kind of love. But we're going to be talking about books with a, that have a theme of love and in hopes that it'll help you prep for your um, Valentine um, celebrations and Valentine uh, talks and, and theme talks in February. So, Or possibly with exactly, your interaction with humanity. Exactly. So mm-hmm. because you teach so hard, we'll be meeting you here again next week. <laughs>